on BYU basketball with Mark Pope. Big 12 play is underway as the Cougs are two games into their 18-game regular season slate. And after a Provo pit stop, BYU's back on the road and back east to Orlando. We're talking Cougar hoops with the coach and Ali Khalifa next on BYU TV. BYU basketball with Mark Pope presented by Siegfried and Jensen helping Utah families for over 30 years. All right, thank you. Good evening once again, Cougar Nation. Welcome back inside Studio C at the BYU Broadcasting Building on the BYU campus in Provo, Utah, where there's a raging snowstorm going on outside right now. The folks in the building are the hearty souls. It is another edition of BYU Basketball with Mark Pope, our weekly peek inside the Cougar Basketball program. Our social media hashtag is hashtag Pope Show. We're live and on demand on the BYU TV and BYU radio apps tonight. Coming up on this evening's show, it's a Wednesday show this week because of travel plans. So we're one night earlier this week. We'll look at highlights from last night's close game in Waco, plus Trevin Nell's big night on the weekend against Cincy. We'll preview BYU's trip to Orlando to take on UCF. We'll have a deep blue with Townsend Triple, the Egyptian magician. Ali Khalifa will join the show in studio. We'll have a game night segment with Ali and social media Q&A for the coach and Ali coming up as well. All we need to do to get tonight's show on the road is get the man in here whose name is on the mugs. He's Mark Pope. Please welcome in BYU head basketball coach, Mr. Mark Pope. Hello. Good to see you. Good to see you. So first up, let's shout out the people here because the weather is wild right now. Hey, I hope you guys brought sleeping bags. You might not be able to get out. <laughs> We get like inches every hour. It's unbelievable. Yeah. It's tis, awesome. Tis the season. Yeah, but uh, yeah, perfect. like I said, uh, kudos to these folks for making it through the storm to get here tonight. Thank you guys for being here. Let's pray for snow every day for the next three months. Yes, we're all on the same <laughs> team. It's awesome. Good to see you. Uh, we see a lot of each other this time of year. Yes, we do. Yeah. Uh, it, it's a long season uh, with many ups and downs. Sometimes on this show, we're celebrating big wins. Sometimes we're in bounce back mode. But we're always asking the same question at the start of every broadcast. <laughs> Take it away. Well, I've spent a lot of time the last, what is it, when were we together? 20 hours ago? Yeah. Thinking about referees. <laughs> <laughs> and Greg's getting really nervous right now. <laughs> no, I'm good. This refereeing is a hard job. It is a hard, hard job. And um, it's, uh, you know, um, especially in this competitive league that we're playing in right now where players are so talented and so athletic and so skilled and the venues are so loud and there's so much pressure. And um, so I spent a lot of time thinking about referees. And last night we played Baylor at Baylor in a great game. And we had an unbelievable crew, like a really, really good crew. Um, Jerry Pollard is as good as they come, and Kip Kissinger is a great, and Amy Pollard. Amy Bonner. Uh, Amy, I'm sorry, yeah. Amy Bonner yeah. is, uh, you know, she, I think she's one of only two female referees to ever uh, ref in the Final Four, which is yeah. so amazing. And I actually had, I had a few, a few more interactions with that crew than I normally have recently. In fact, one time we're coming to a timeout, and they uh, had just been a no call on Dallin Hall driving baseline. 
and um, Amy Bonner was on the baseline and uh, she told me her version of what happened and I told her my version of what happened and then um, we kind of went on with our life and and then watching the film her version was 100% correct mm. they're really good man these referees are really good as frustrating as that might be sometimes um, not perfect because it's an impossible job but they're really good so last night the game kind of came down to the wire. It's in a, it's in an important moment, and um, and uh, and there was a, a very crucial call that could have gone either way. You trapped at half court. We're talking about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trapped at half court. You know, we felt like we had, uh, you know, four hands, defensive hands on the ball. Kind of tied up. Everybody stopped playing. And um, and Jerry made a call, which is which is you know the call. I can definitely argue that it was the right call or the wrong call, but he made the call, and I felt some frustration. And I turned around uh, to the bench, and my water was there. <laughs> and yeah, Hammond, did you? Oh, oh, there we go. Yeah, Hammond's go. good. <clears throat> yeah, Mark and I were in the splash zone there. Well, if you look at this though, this is what I'm interested in looking at. So Greg looks like he just got shot. And Mark <laughs> has got this um, really beautiful grin on his face that he's trying to hide right now. And if you look to the right, you can see Keegan Brown, our analytics guy, who's not allowed to have any emotion whatsoever. And clearly, he has no reaction to what just happened. Yeah. <laughs> and so I don't know who is this is Dasani must be. It's a sponsor somehow. Yeah. 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 So, you know, I was thinking afterwards, you know, Dasani, I'm sure it's some type of um, climate awareness, uh, global health issue. But there I, I learned this last night that there, you know, the cap was screwed on. I thought everything was going to be fine. Yeah. And um, but these are very uh, thin. It's very thin plastic. It's probably yeah. good for the world, but it was yeah. bad for me last night. Yeah. Maybe not as sturdy as they were in years past. And so. Uh, a little more easily destructible. So we yeah. actually, you know, this is how complicated our life is in coaching circles. Um, we had a whole staff meeting this, uh, <laughs> this morning about um, getting a more firmer plastic water bottle uh, <laughs> on the bench to keep me out of harm's way. I just see you like see you with the Stanley Cup on the. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Those are really sturdy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the Stanley, that might be too dangerous. It's, it's got to. It can't. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, not my finest moment, but uh, my sincerest apologies for the. Shower. No, we, we just game. we just motored right on through like nothing Usually happened. Usually we do that in celebration. Yes, you you have no really. You, we've seen a lot of you in locker rooms. Yes. With the caps off and we're going nuts yes. in a good way. Yes. Yeah. I'm not complaining about Dasani. Beautiful product. Yep. <laughs> we love Dasani bottled water. <laughs> All right. That's a great way to start the show. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Uh, you know, it's, it's listen. These games, we all are pulling so hard and competing so hard, and and uh, this refereeing is a thankless job. But um, like I said, a really terrific crew last night, and we're grateful for the work of all these referees and the things that they do. And it's not, a, it's a thankless job. It really is. But um, pros up and down, and uh, really, you know, pretty exciting. We as uh, the best teams in the country get to have our games worked by the best uh, referees in the country. Right. Um, and Leanne is 
totally on board with all of those sentiments right now. <laughs> Hi, Leanne. Good to have you back. Yeah. Uh, it, but I'm saying that sincerely. Yeah. I really am. No, we really, yeah, when you get yep. to the Big 12, you, you get some of the bigger yep. names in the yep. game, if you will, in terms of officiating, guys yep. who have been around a long time working at the yep. highest levels. And so what we've done is, is you know, we, we, haven't, uh, we, haven't, we have done a bad job winning the whistle over the last two games. And so we did a, uh, all night last night, we did a, and, and this morning, did a really in-depth review of kind of how we can um, how we can appease the whistle better, and we're going to make some progress there. And we're really excited about that. And that's one of the thousands of facets of the game that are really important. Okay, you're into the Big 12 grind. You're two games into an 18-game regular season slate. Early impressions of what you've seen so far in this league? It's everything we hope for. It's awesome. Like um, this is this is really exciting. And and when you face the best competition every night, it kind of rips you to shreds and and bears your soul and gives you a chance to grow and. The games are so fun. I mean, listen, we've been on the Louisiana two games right now, um, and and it's so fun to go compete, and it's so fun to know that Saturday is going to be the same thing. And then when do we plan after that? Next Tuesday, and it just it just is never ending. It's awesome. Like this is the greatest thing ever. You had seventeen thousand fans in your building for the Cincy game on the weekend. Then you go on the road in a smaller, more intimate venue, but seventy-five hundred fans packed in on you yeah. in the new Foster Pavilion. Two really great game night environments. One at home, one on the road to get things yep. underway. Yep, it's incredible. Part of the Big Twelve. I was watching uh, the UCF Kansas game before we came on the show. Uh, Kansas had a sixteen-point lead in the first half, and when I came in, yep. uh, UCF was up a point, I yeah. think. So here we go. Yeah, it's a, this UCF team is—they're terrific. They're—they when you watch the film, I mean, they are big and long. It, it reminds me of the Florida State teams from the last mm. decade that are just—they're um, just so big, and and uh, they play really, really hard. They're one of the top uh, turnover-forcing teams in the country. Um, and they fit in the Big 12, and so it's on. By the way, on the building you were just in last night, uh, BYU's the largest building in, in, in the Big 12, and this is one of the smaller venues, but they've done it in such a way that it feels big. If that yeah. Makes, yeah. Uh, hopefully you guys all come to the game next year um, because it really is a special venue. I mean, it is, uh, it is the biggest, most magnificent 7,500-person venue I've ever seen. It really is fantastic. And they did a great job uh, fitting exactly the niche that will work for them. And, and it's pretty great. And, and I, I said this last night on air, but it's pretty special. You, you, know, um, you know, Scott Drew is, is uh, one of the elite coaches in, in basketball. And... Um, and what he's done at Baylor, if you know the history of Baylor, he took over a program that was in, in like unspeakable duress and um, just stayed, stayed there and had some early success and then just kept working away and working away and working away. And 17 years later, he did the unthinkable and won a national championship there. And 20, 21 years later, he opened a brand new building. And it's, it's pretty cool, man. It's, uh, it's, it's you know, he's, he's really made his mark on basketball and certainly on Baylor forever. And something I found during the football season of Big 12, the hospitality is real, yeah. saw it last night. They're happy to have BYU as part of this yes. league. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, man, we fit in this league because us going there felt a lot like I think people feel when they come to the Marriott Center. Unbelievable environment, uh, a ton of noise, all kind of distractions, but the kindest people you could ever meet and the greatest hospitality. And, and um, like we step between the lines and fight like crazy and then we step off the lines and it's just good people. And um, certainly uh, a huge thanks to all the people that, um, 
you know, worked the Baylor games and, and were so courteous to us. A couple of housekeeping items. Uh, well, first of all, the reason we're on a Wednesday this week for the only week this season, uh, your travel will send you back east tomorrow, correct? Yeah, so uh, we practice early tomorrow morning again, and then we'll jump on a plane and land in Orlando uh, 8 or 9 o'clock tomorrow night and, and uh, then have a full day's prep on Friday and, and uh, game on Saturday. Two time zone trips, so you want to get out there usually a day ahead, right? Yeah, yep. especially for this one just because the, the travel is pretty extensive. And it's an early game also on Saturday, yeah. relatively speaking. Uh, we got to Waco without Dawson Baker this yeah. week, uh, and you said there could be some, some, some movement on a decision on what his season's going to look like. Any, any, anything there? Yeah, it's not final, final, but it's, it's heavily looking like he's going to ha have to have surgery again. And so we'll see. Um, you know, we should get final word here in the next 24 hours, but that's the way it looks right now, and, mm. and, and we'll see. Steph's tough. Yeah. Uh, he would have really helped you guys. It was helping you guys. Yeah, what you he know, could do. It's you know? interesting about Dawson because he never, you know, he was so he was so fantastic for two or three games, and and um, and but he was never even close to full capacity. And he actually brings a very very different slice to our team. His ability to kind of turn hips and get downhill at will without needing an action or anything else is is pretty special. And um, so if it, if it does turn out that he can't help us this year, uh, he's certainly going to be a, a huge piece for us moving forward. And the, and the hope would be he has two more years as a yep. Cougar, right? That's right. That'd be great. Uh, and as you lose one guy, you're getting one guy back and into the swing of things. Fuseni Traore yeah. made another good step last night. Yeah, I thought Fus was great. Um, you know, he... Uh, he was really effective in the post. Um, I wish we could have gotten more catches in the post. Uh, you know, he was put in some challenging situations where we were switching one through five on ball screens and ball interchanges, and, and uh, he held his ground really, really well in the time that he was in the game. So a huge step forward for him since Cincinnati, and, and hopefully he'll make another uh, huge jump uh, in preparation for Central Florida. And in a really general sense, through two games of Big 12 play, how do you feel your personnel match up with the teams you've seen? We are, um, we're different. We're, we're our own entity. Uh, we have our own strengths, uh, our, our, our own identity, and, and, um, but we're going to have some success in this league, and, and there's no place we would rather be. And, and um, with all of the complications and competitiveness that comes with it and, and all the humility that comes with it, we're exactly where we've always wanted to be. And, and um, we, we, you know, we came into this knowing how challenging this was going to be. We also came in feeling like we have a good team, a team that's capable. And we're going to continue to get better and better and better. And, and this is going to be a really fun uh, regular season and postseason and see what we can do. Well, since we last got together here in Studio C, BYU played two games. Home game against Cincy last Saturday and at Baylor, of course, last night. Let's get coaches' thoughts on some of these highlights and stats presented by Intermountain Health. Now, the Saturday game was a setback to the Bearcats. We're going to focus more on the work of Trevin Nell. This was a career night for Trevin Nell. He had a special night on Saturday night, scored 27 points, uh, career-high nine three-pointers. And this is a guy that just didn't do it on Saturday. He's, yeah. he's had a really strong stretch for quite yeah. a while now. This is, um, you know, Trevin now keeps kind of turning more corners as in his development as a player. And he's done two things. You know, he's been an elite level shooter uh, ever since he came uh, into college. But he's doing it different now. Um, he, is, he is ridiculously aggressive. Uh, he's got a really, really quick trigger, and he is becoming less and less phased by making a shot, which that doesn't sound like a big deal, but that's the definition of a shooter. Um, you know, he had a really interesting stint uh, through Utah and maybe the game after, the game before, where he was 0 for 9, 0 for 10 straight three-point shots. And I think actually that experience has been a real gift to him in his maturity. 
because now he's not scared of runs like that. Like he, he understands how dangerous he is and he's making a huge difference for us. That's on the offensive side of the shooter. On the defensive side of the ball, man, he's had some unbelievable performances and he's grown exponentially on the defensive side of the ball. The numbers you see there on the offensive side, the 143s, that's after last night's three more. So he climbs into the top 15. And then the game he had uh, was one of the singular games. It's a Marriott Center record nine threes. And again, when you get up to near double digits, you're in rarefied air. And he put himself in some pretty, uh, pretty special uh, territory uh, on the weekend, no doubt. And he keeps it going. He's had, uh, I think, 10, 11 games this year with multiple threes. Yep. He, can get, he can get hot. You know, it's interesting. So since Trevin got here, every day in practice, we've talked about this. He's an 80% plus uh, three-point shooter in practice, 80% plus, and it's every day. That's not on a good day. That's every single day. And so, you know, he 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 developed that skill over the course of the last two decades, and then actually implementing that into the games as at the level he's doing, most people never approach. But um, he's been spectacular. And I, you know, I, I'm telling you, everybody that tries to prep a scout for us is is having real conversations about what do you do with Trevenell? He's a problem. Let's get to Baylor then from last night. It was number 18 BYU at number 14 Baylor to start the week. We'll take a look at highlights from uh, last night at Foster Pavilion. A couple of ranked teams going head to head. And uh, I mean, this was it, it wasn't until the last minute of the game coach where there was a double digit lead. This was tight throughout. Yeah, it's, it's fun to see Dallin Hall's progression uh, squeezing that extra dribble. And I know that doesn't mean a lot to, to us, but it means a huge deal to a point guard. Um, really great execution on that 93. We actually had a team bet going on if we'd get a bucket out of that. Ali Khalifa, uh, you know, again, was a 6-2 guy, six assists, two turnovers. And, and really his turnovers are, are because we bail out of cuts, right? He's actually making the pass and we don't finish cuts. Um, you know, he had a huge impact on the game on both ends of the floor. Uh, I thought our guys put together a great effort. Um, you know, down the stretch, uh, we were kind of hit or miss in terms of our execution. Literally, it was almost, it was almost a good offensive set. And then this, the next one would be a poor decision-making that didn't feel like us. And the same thing on the defensive end. And we just weren't quite consistent enough down the stretch to get the win. BYU falls by a score of 81-72. to The Bears go to 2-0. And BYU drops to 0-2 in league. The, uh, the nine threes, only the second time this year you've had under 10 threes. Yeah. And the 24 uh, takes is a season low for you this year. Yeah, we were disappointed with the 24. Um, to, you know, today, Coach Figure in his film session today with the team um, kind of highlighted a bunch of opportunities where we turned down shots uncharacteristically for us. And it's really important. You know, us playing 27 by 50, we talk about it all the time. It's very, very important to what we do. And um, and in almost all of the circumstances where we turned down an open shot, we ended up the possession with something worse. Mm. And that's high-level basketball. That's very much NBA basketball. It's like when you get your first one, you have to take it because nine times out of ten, if you keep hunting, you're not going to get something better before the shot clock expires. And, and um, that's the way we feel in this Big 12, and, and it's the way we've been approaching this game, and we need to stay strong, continue to, to, to attack that way. So the number was 24 last night, but when you look at it, there were more than 24 there for you. Could have been yeah. closer to your absolutely. What you want to be. Yeah, it was just uncharacteristically we turned some down. Gotcha. All right, it is break time. And as we break, this is your reminder that your day to day Cougar Sports play by play happens on BYU Sports Nation. Join Spencer and Jaron weekdays, noon Eastern, on BYU TV and BYU Radio. When we come back, BYU big man Ali Khalifa joins us in studio, and Deep Blue will profile Townsend Triple as BYU basketball with Mark Pope continues. Stay with us.
BYU Basketball with Mark Pope is presented by Siegfried and Jensen, helping Utah families for over 30 years, and Intermountain Health, official medical provider for BYU Athletics. Welcome back to BYU Basketball with Mark Pope here in Studio C on a snowy, wintry night in Provo, Utah. Well, BYU redshirt freshman Townsend Triple has lived in a lot of places, journeying with his family and his faith. His travels have molded him in many unforeseen ways and have altered his trajectory from potential Air Force pilot like his father to a new, new path playing basketball here at BYU. Here now, Deep Blue featuring BYU hoopster Townsend Triple. We built a house in North Carolina and uh, there was a lot of storms that would hit North Carolina, hurricanes. And uh, Wendy and I said that our kids are gonna be part of that building process. So we had the kids dig the foundations and the footings underneath their bedrooms. And then we built the house on top of those. And it was very purposeful in that if a storm came, they knew that they had been through that tough part but yet that had made the house stronger and it made them stronger and they could handle that storm better. I can't say two words about Townsend without talking about his family because he won't say two words about Townsend before he talks about his mom and his dad and the life that they've given his dad is an Air Force pilot. Because of his job, we moved around quite a bit. And in regards to sports, when it came to us moving, that meant I was on a bunch of different sports teams. He would have to reintroduce himself to a whole new group of people, teams, classrooms, all of that every time we moved. And I'm sure that was hard for him. It forced me to, uh, to kind of connect with a bunch of different people. I would be on a team for a year or two and then I'd be relocated to another state and have to start over again. And so that meant I had a lot of clean slates, but it also meant that I didn't have an established um, kind of support group. And because of that, it also made me really close to my family because they were my constant support and my number one fans from day one. And it's just second nature to him now where he just rolls in and says, this is what I've got and this is where I need to go, and he does it. I had heard about this kid from, that had moved in. My first impression of Townsend is just a goofy, long kid standing on the court. He literally stole a half-court pass and went down and just tomahawk dunked it on a guy. And then they tried to inbounds the pass. He kept, he caught that pass too in the corner, turned around, nailed a three from the corner and just jogged back. And I was like, I mean, this kid's like, what, 15 years old at the time. And I thought, oh, that kid's gonna be good. But of course, in the competitive nature of sports, there's always gonna be people that are trying to put you down. There was a guy that when I was training in Townsend, this guy would come over every time we were down there training and, and he'd say, James, this guy will never play division one. This guy will never play division one. And I'm sitting right there and he just addresses that and he tells me that. I kind of think, well, okay, like, I appreciate you telling me that because now it gives me a little bit of that fire, but that's not my sole drive because I know my worth. I know I'm gonna put in the hard work. Get up early in the morning to go practice, to stay late after practices, to do whatever he needed to do to prove that that one guy didn't know what he was talking about. 
he was a big time basketball player. Like he, his sophomore, junior, senior year was putting up big time numbers and was getting recruited. And he, he has such devotion for his faith. And one of the tenets of his faith is that he doesn't, you know, he keeps the Sabbath day holy. And for him, that meant not playing basketball on Sundays. It was definitely a time for me to develop that testimony and that faith, just trusting that he would bless me, whether that meant it was in basketball, whether that meant I would be healthy, whether that meant I wouldn't see those blessings until the next life. I'm gonna keep training you know, my heart out and still play Friday and Saturday, but I just won't compete on Sundays. And so a lot of the club teams didn't like that. They wanted me to play on their teams, but they wanted me to play on Sundays if I was gonna be on their A team. Um, because again, the Sundays were the championship games and they didn't think it was fair for me to come in and, um, and play. And then on the championship games, the championship days leave Eventually, the concept, as, as, as the kids got better and better and there were more of a group that didn't want to play on Sundays, we eventually just decided, what if we just created a team that didn't play on Sundays and use that as our recruiting tool? We called it Reppin because we were repping our high schools, but then we changed the name to 6543. If you break up the syllables, it's 65 for three because all the guys on the team, we we're at least 6'5 or taller. So everyone had an opportunity to play at point guard wings, forwards, posts, all the different positions, and kind of develop their skills as all-around basketball players. It's just a bunch of kids that chose to do the right thing together as a team. And if that was forego games on Sunday, if it was just being better kids than they were supposed to, they kind of banded together and did that. But as often goes, you know, you make choices like that. It's a faith choice, and every faith choice has consequences, good and bad. And there were some good consequences that came out of this one. You know, he kept, he kept at it, and he was at the right place at the right time when he had a great game, and Coach Pope was in the stands. He has unbelievable belief in himself because he knows who he is, and he's okay with being who he is right now because he has a clear vision of who he's gonna become. He's a very growth mindset young man, and that is why he is so special. Where you're like, yup, this young man is built different. He understands sacrifice and something bigger than himself and living to a standard, the three things we care about in this program. And when we see kids like that, we believe that they can become anything. And certainly he's proving that to be the case. In my time in sports, Nike had just come out with this phrase, just do it. We always had uh, this friction a little bit with just do it being a one-time thing. And so we modified the phrase to keep doing. Don't just do it once or twice, but keep doing it. So keep doing Townsend. So it was fun. We, we got Townsend back from his mission. Uh, and, and, and that transition is always so hard. And so he was kind of thrust into it um, when we took our foreign tour. And he actually rose up and helped us win games on the tour. Like he was really good. He's a really talented player. I tell him all the time, he reminds me, I don't know if I've told you this before, but there's something about him that reminds me of Justin Bean, who was a, a walk-on who became essentially almost all-American caliber status at Utah State. Yeah. Um, uh, Townsend just has this really incredible sense about him, a feel for the game that's really special. And 
as you know, it's, this year is really important for him to grow his body. But he's gonna. I'm telling you. I'm telling you right now. At some point, we're gonna be talking about him hmm. uh, winning us huge games here at BYU. I think he's. I think he's a really, really special insides person that's got a chance to to really become a terrific player. And you think he has a really special mustache as well? That mustache is great. His family is great. I mean, I'm telling you, like, I, I, there's not that many uh, fighter pilots walking around that we get to know and meet and people that have sacrificed in that way for our country. And uh, it's good, man, good DNA. It's super impressive. Cool story on Townsend. Last week's Deep Blue was on uh, Ali Khalifa, yeah. or two weeks ago, and we get Ali in studio right now. Our guest tonight remains the national leader in assist-to-turnover ratio. He's regarded by many including people on this set, as the best passing big man in America. But he's relatively new to America. And tonight, he makes his Studio C debut. Please welcome in Ali Khalifa. That's yours. All right, this is a really good night to have you on. Because yep. we got some serious snowfall going on right now. Is this, is How you dealing? This is Alexandria, right? <laughs> yeah. it's it's just like back home. It's, uh, it's been crazy. I mean, actually, Matt Santoro just picked me up <laughs> to come get me in. I don't know how he's going to make it home, but... Uh, are, are you driving? We, Do you have a car? Nope. Okay. We, we're working on it. We actually sent... Uh, did, didn't we send... Did we send Lee to come get you? We sent Lee and then he... So Lee yeah, didn't make so. it. His car went off the side of the road. And so, yeah. fortunately, we had four GA. So we're like, we got four chances to go get him and not made it there and back. That's good. Actually, um, Matt haven't made it back yet. Here. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Are you going to make it through this winter? Uh, I hope so. That's my first <laughs> experience with heavy snow. Yeah. Um, yeah, driving-wise, I'm not very excited, but... Um, but it is pretty, though. It's pretty. It is, it yeah. is pretty. Yeah. All right. Uh, for those who don't know, tell us about life growing up, where you grew up. Um, so I grew up in Alexandria. Uh, Alexandria, Egypt is very, very different than Provo, obviously. Um, <laughs> we, uh, there's no snow over there. So that's good. Um, different food, different culture. Um, grew up not very rich or anything. We were middle class. People in Egypt, which is, is very hard to live in, in Egypt if you're middle class as well. But um, yeah, just hustling all my life, me and my family. And um, yeah, that's how God grew up in Egypt. On the deep blue we saw, we saw a bit of your family. Yeah. Uh, how many siblings? We saw Nesma. Uh, just just, Nesma. just her. Yep. And she actually was the forerunner for playing basketball in America, wasn't she? Yeah. She and was, maybe not yeah. everyone is aware of this part of the story, too, but tell us about your sister. Yeah, she um, obviously she started basketball first as well, so she got me in basketball. And um, when I left to go to Australia when I was 15, she a year after she went to uh, a community college in Tallahassee. Um, so she was the first one to come to the U.S. She played one year there, then she went to Cincinnati for three years. Um, yeah, it's kind of interesting because we just played Cincinnati. Yeah. But, uh, she, she, so the word on the street was she was crushing you yeah, she about was. us losing to Cincinnati. Uh, she was. She wanted, <laughs> she wanted us to win so bad against them. But, um, yeah, she came to the U.S. She played one year, and then she went to Tallahassee for, uh, she went to Cincinnati for three years. Then I came after, after her second year, I think, I came to Charlotte, I came to the U.S., so she, she's the one that started everything, that I would say. And she's back home now? She is back home now. Is she she's playing in, still? No. She's okay. into, she's more into coaching now. She's, she's, fast, she's like into fashion, isn't she? Does, she she's, yeah. very, first, she's very big into fashion. She, um, she's trying to be, obviously. Um, <laughs> but uh, she's doing great. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, she's more into basketball, trying to 
uh, develop basketball more in Egypt and in Africa. She works a lot with the Basketball Africa League and she's trying to give back to, to the game that okay. she's been playing. So. When did you determine that you wanted to play basketball or good at basketball? What um, did you like playing as a kid? Um, I didn't really like basketball growing up. I kind of wanted to play soccer because that's what every kid's dream in Egypt. And I think when I became 12, 13, I realized I was taller than everybody else and I was better shooting than everybody else. That was very different than any big man in Egypt. And that's when I decided to be like, oh, I will take this seriously. And then I got, started getting picked in national teams. And like, like I said, I went to Australia, obviously, after that. So I think 12, 13, I would say, um, me and my sister took it pretty seriously. So. More importantly, and you know Nesma's going to see this, yeah. how old were you when you could finally beat her one-on-one -on -one for the first time? Uh, probably 14, 14, 15. She was taller than me uh, <laughs> most of my life. She's like 6'3". But um, yeah, 14, 15, she's, she's just a very similar game. She's, she's a very good shooter. And now she has no chance, obviously. But <laughs> growing up, she was, she was giving me work. I was, I actually, it got me a little competitive. It got me better growing up yeah. at basketball. So. Coach, when did you first become acquainted with the name Ali Khalifa? So, you know, of course, everybody was admiring him uh, playing at UNC Charlotte. Um, and, and they made a really nice run last year at the end of the season. And Ali put up starring numbers. And then, you know, when he, he jumped in the portal, it was like, wow, it would be unbelievable if we had a chance to talk to him because he just fits so perfectly what we're trying to build here in terms of the style of play and the skill set and the guys around him. And um, then it was, just, uh, it was just a lot of phone calls and Zoom calls and visits and you know, prayers and begging. <laughs> did, you, did you make it to Egypt? Yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah. It was awesome. Actually, Ali took me on a little tour of Alexandria, mm -hmm. which was super cool. Mm -hmm. Got to meet mom and dad, and it was actually really special. It was super special. What helped you feel that BYU would be right for you, Ali? Um, obviously, like I said, the playing style, the coaching staff. But another thing is the fan base and the the community that feels like a family. That's what I think I was missing a lot. And um, as soon as I, even as soon as I committed, I felt like home. Like obviously posting it on social media and just. Fans were crazy about it, and <laughs> I did not expect that. So that made me feel like I made the right decision, obviously, and coming on campus and people recognizing me or, or even just playing the first game in front of uh, the Rock and in front of the BYU fans. It just, just feels like home, feels right. Um, but yeah, basketball-wise, I feel like the playing style and uh, the way we play, people question a lot because we play in fa fast pace, and I'm not the fastest guy around. <laughs> but um, I feel like I fit perfectly in that, and um, it's been going great. So. You get up and down. You know, we, we hear you on the show now. We see you in press conferences, have you on the post-game radio, and we maybe take for granted, well, he speaks really good English, but that's not your first. When did you learn, and how did you learn to speak English? So um, I learned English my first year in Australia. It was 2018, I believe. Um, didn't speak any English. Kind of understood a little bit. Didn't really want to learn it. When I was back home, I speak Arabic um, in Egypt all my life. and. Um, I went to Australia and I had nobody else to speak Arabic to. And shout out to my best friends, obviously, Ashe, he my coach already. He, mm -hmm. he helped me a lot during watching TV shows and <laughs> um, speaking to him every day, just trying to learn a new word every day and just came natural. It was, it was pretty easy. After I learned it, I, I actually said that English is one of the easiest languages to learn. 
tell, tell what your go-to TV shows were. Uh, it was, uh, I watched How I Met Your Mother. <laughs> That's my favorite TV show. So you learned a lot of what you're picking up from that one. Yeah, I actually watched it all first, and I didn't understand what's going on. But I understood a little bit. And I rewatched it last year to understand the words, because I didn't really understand the words learning at the start. Right. But... Um, yeah, that's my favorite, obviously, TV show ever. But uh, yeah. do you do you like Marvel movies too? Yeah, okay. I really like. Uh, during COVID, me and my me and my friends in in Australia, we went and run watched all the Marvel shows and uh, kind of got very excited. Like, it's very it's so it's really good. That's what I'm saying. Okay. It's very better than Star Wars and the other. The oh other boy, Dallas would be so upset. Yeah, he he gonna too. be that hurt him in his I heart. Know. He knows it's better than Star Wars. Though. <laughs> you uh, did you model your game after anybody? Did you watch somebody playing ago? I'd like to pick up what he's you know kind of his game. Yeah, growing up, I feel I watched a lot of Dirk Nowitzki because mm -hmm. I was kind of shooting the same. I was tall as well, and uh, kind of playing my own pace, and. A couple of years back in Australia, I started watching Jokic more, obviously, as he was playing really good basketball, and I kind of wanted to be like him one day, and still want to be like him one day. And yeah, I feel like these two, I watched the most growing up, just trying to model my game after them. And coach, when it comes to Jokic, you think there is a lot to his game. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, he's, um, we talk about processing speed all the time. I don't really know how to coach processing speed and make huge inroads. You can always help people a little bit, but Ollie just sees his game at a different speed than all the rest of us. Like all the rest of us see the game at a different speed than he does, and and um, it's a it's a it's it's pretty incredible to watch. I mean, we love watching, right? It's awesome. So he's been a gift to BYU. You can shoot and you can score and you can run, but everyone pays attention to your passes. What is the key? to the perfect pass, if not the perfect pass, the best pass, how, and how does it, how much is just, I don't know, it's natural to me, and how much is I've studied, or I know where to go, angles, and all those kinds of things? Obviously, natural to me, I feel like seeing the play before it happens, like obviously coaches put, coach put an action to work, and I see, kind of see where the defenders are at, and stuff like that, but I feel like most of it watching film, and realizing how people will guard us, and how people will go over, or go under, or what they're gonna do. And I feel like a key for a good passer is around him, great shooters and guys who cut really hard to score. And that's what we have here at BYU. That's why I'm be able to showcase my passing ability because we have these around me. The, the thing that makes me love watching you the most is you make it look so easy. Like you threw three passes on there that most players will never be able to deliver in their whole career. And it's kind of just like you don't even care. It's just kind of like, yep, here we go. And then you run down the court. And you make it look so easy. And that's, that's greatness, right? It's guys that can take something really, really hard and make it look so easy. It's, it's sure fun. What's more satisfying to you, knocking down a big three like you do last night or a great pass that gets finished? Probably a great pass, I'd say. This pass to Trevin was kind of, was kind of, that's what started the night for me. Just feeling like I got it, like how teams are pressuring me and I still can make the pass for somebody to score. So that makes me feel more satisfied. The fact that you are number one in the country in assist to turnover ratio, you proud of that? You want to keep that ranking all year? I do want to keep that ranking all year, obviously. I'm not really thinking about it. I'm just trying not to turn the ball over yeah. right. <laughs> when I'm in the game. So I hear you. Hopefully I'll just keep not turning the ball over. I mean, turn it over, turn it over a couple of times this past couple of games, but hopefully we can take care of the ball. Okay, your thoughts on the season so far and being two games into the Big 12 slate? I mean, it's exciting just be able to compete at the, the highest level and go to a place like Baylor and play over there and compete with them to, to the end of the game for 40 minutes. It's, 
it's really exciting. It really shows that what we, what we, who we are and who we want to become. And um, obviously, we started the season really good. We're still really good. Like we still have a long season to go, and we still got March to go. So it's really exciting. I'm really excited. What's coming? And we're excited to have Ali Khalifa with us in studio. He said he likes the Marvel movies. We're going to test his Marvel knowledge coming up after this break. Stay with us as we return on BYU Basketball with Mark Pope. We're back right after this. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to BYU Basketball with Mark Pope, presented by Siegfried and Jensen. Siegfried and Jensen helping Utah families for over 30 years. Now, we created this, I think, for Dallin Hall at one point, and it makes its return tonight on BYU Basketball with Mark Pope. Bring it back. It's back. It is. Nerd Quest. Fantastic. Yes. Uh, we say nerd with, with all the love in the world, okay? And, uh, and tonight's Nerd Quest takes us to Ali Khalifa's love of the Marvel Universe. Here we go. We're going to give you some multiple choice questions. Your job is very simple. Just pick the correct answer. Okay. We think you're going to do well with this. All right, question number one. What is the name of the missile that Tony Stark demonstrates before he's attacked in the first Iron Man film? We have choices. Babylon, Jarvis, Jericho, and I don't even want to say D. That's, uh, but uh, there you go. What are the, what's the option there? Is it Jarvis? It is Jericho. See oh, Jericho. You're 0 for 1, but do not fret. Uh, question number two. <laughs> what is the name of Thor's hammer? Mjolnir, Mjolby, Marslet, or Moldy? You say Mjolnir. Mjolnir. Uh, and the answer is Mjolnir. Well done. You're 1 for 2. There's no doubt. Okay. That was impressive. We think this is a gimme for you. Uh, question number three. How many infinity stones are there? Six. Correct. Six is right. You're two for three. I was worried about that. Okay. Because <laughs> he paused. Uh, yeah, he besides paused. Thor, which two other Avengers can lift Thor's hammer? Oh. You've got four choices. Which two of these can lift Thor's hammer? Captain America and Vision. Captain America and Vision is correct. Okay, he's on a roll now. Yep. And I know the answers to almost none of these, for the most part. Uh, question five, what is Black Widow's real name? I think it's C. You think it's C, and it's C. Yes, Natasha Romanoff, well done. Question six. We should have you doing this for charity. <laughs> question, Loki discovers he's actually what species? A beyonder, a flurkin, a human, or a frost giant? I think he's a flurkin. No, the audience says his D is a frost oh, giant. He's a frost giant. We all know that. Uh, question seven. <laughs> which real-life billionaire... Everyone's going to start booing. Yeah, yeah, there's pressure on here. Uh, which real-life billionaire makes an appearance in Iron Man 2? Those are your four millionaires to choose from, or billionaires. Is it Jeff Bezos? I think? It is actually our man Elon Musk. Really? Elon Musk, yeah, is actually in the movie. Wow. Uh, question eight. Which Spider-Man saves MJ... In Spider-Man No Way Home. Oh, Andrew Garfield. Andrew Garfield is the correct response. Well done. Yep. Question nine. What is Thanos' home planet? Oh, wow. I'm not sure. I think it's A. I don't know. It's going to be D, Titan. Titan. Wow. Titan. Uh, in, in Captain Marvel, question 10. The Flurkin are an alien race that resemble what animal? Hamsters, dogs, horses, or cats? 
Cats. Cats is the uh, <laughs> it's what's coming to him, and Cats is correct. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Question eleven in Nerd Quest: uh, Which Shield agent is killed by Loki in the Avengers? Which Shield uh, agent? Those are your options. Is Phil number one? It is Phil Coulson. Well done, number one. Good job. Uh, question 12. In addition to directing Iron Man, what is the name of John Favreau's character in the movie? Howard Stark, Happy Hogan, Jarvis, or James Rhodes? Yeah, yeah. The John Favreau Happy character. Hogan. Happy Hogan! <laughs> yeah. Ollie is rolling. Uh, question 13, to second to last question. Uh, which Avenger becomes the new Captain America? Winter Soldier. Oh, oh. no. There was, there was B. Falcon. 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 It was too quick. It's too quick. Uh, question 14, our, our, this is our finale right here. <laughs> what is the name of Peggy Carter's niece who shows up to help the Avengers? Do you know? Do you know? Is it Sharon? It is Sharon. You finished with a win. Nice job. Good job, Ali. I think it kind of nailed Nerd Quest. What do you think, Coach? Yeah, um, if this was an Egyptian, I would have just as much idea what's going on. <laughs> exactly, got it with you. I clearly I'm kind of with like you. this is a foreign language. Yeah. That was yeah. impressive. Thank but you. it's Thank like, it's how he passes, man. Like, there was no hesitation. Very so intuitive. Have, I mean, intuitive. Good job. I mean, how about a hand for NerdQuest tonight and, uh, and Ali Khalifa? All right, we'll come back. we got some Q&A with the coach and Ali after this. We'll also have and one trivia. It's BYU Basketball with Mark Pober back in a minute. BYU Basketball with Mark Pope is presented by Siegfried & Jensen, helping Utah families for over 30 years. OctoHealth, decode your DNA, design your destiny. And Ken Garf, we hear you. All right, so welcome back to BYU Basketball with Mark Pope here in Studio C. Uh, let's begin the, uh, the segment with a little news. We're going to talk about UCF in our next segment, but just went final in Orlando. Uh, UCF hosting top five Kansas, and uh, KU falls on the road at UCF 65-60 tonight. Yep. It's the magic of the Big 12. Um, you know, we just, we just talked about it off air. So last night, Houston, the consensus number one team in the country by all the analytics uh, gets beat um, by Iowa State, and tonight UCF beats uh, Kansas. And this league is just its just the best teams in America, and we just rip each other to shreds. And it is <laughs> awesome, actually. So here we go. We're going to go We're gonna go play the team that just beat Kansas by five at their home court. I can't wait. All right. Yep. Uh, it's time for Q&A brought to you by Ken Garf. We hear you. And we like to give Hema the first question on a lot of shows. And Hema's first question comes in for Ali tonight. And his question is, in what ways, or if any, in any way, is Alexandria like, like Provo or vice versa? Any similarities whatsoever? Um, outside the... You know how Alexandria is like a small city mm -hmm. and Provo is like a small town? I would say like I can walk anywhere in Alexandria and be around my family and friends. And mm -hmm. I feel like in Provo as well, you can walk around and get to everywhere you want to be because it's very small. And you can walk around and see whoever you see. Can, you can see people that you know around the city. Same in Provo because it's a very small city. So, so and Alexandria is only what, three hour drive from yeah. Cairo. Yep. And so when I flew out there, I landed in Cairo, got there early, early in the morning, went to the hotel and woke up 
and um, looked out the window, it was pretty bleary-eyed, and it, I saw the mountains, but it wasn't the mountains, it was the pyramids. <laughs> That's very similar. Yeah, but he said my Alexandria. I know, I'm just saying, it's the suburb. Cairo is the suburb of Alexandria. Yeah, it's, it's You great. love that I just said that, don't you? Yeah, it's great. Uh, how much tourism in Alexandria? It's, it's, it's quite a bit. Quite a bit? It's pretty good. We have, okay. a, lot, we have a lot of, we have the beach. And we have the most good. famous library in That's the right, world. That's right, the library. Yes. Yeah, most yeah. library, yeah. Uh, question from uh, at Minty Buck for Ali. Uh, do you think your play style is similar to Nikola Jokic? We talked about him earlier. Uh, I don't like comparisons, obviously, with, with the great ones, but I feel like passing-wise is, is similar, I would say, and athletic ability, <laughs> I would say, these two things. So. Okay. How are you feeling, by the way? I'm Getting up great. and down. Great. You all right? Yep, I'm feeling good. Awesome. All right. We will take a break after we have this week's and one trivia question. And this question for this week is, uh, who is BYU's single season record holder for assist to turnover ratio? We ask that because Ali leads BYU and the Big 12 and the nation in assist to turnover ratio. That's our question. The answer coming up right after this. More BYU basketball with Mark Pope in a minute. to BYU Basketball with Mark Pope. Here's tonight's trivia question. Who's BYU's single season record holder for assist to turnover mm. ratio? Mm. And the answer here is Nate Call. It's great Nate Call. At a 3.14 back in the early 90s. Uh, just for comparison, Ali Khalif is sitting at a 6.75 right now. Just so you know, the only person in the entire studio audience that got that answer right was Leanne Pope. How about that? Did you have it? Yeah. I didn't notice that. How about that? Well done. What? Old school. That is great. Yeah. Let's give it up for Leanne. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Saturday in Orlando, BYU faces UCF for the first time ever. Get to know the foe about the school a little bit. As for the team itself, Coach Pope, you know this is a team that uh, relies a lot on the defensive side, a great shot-blocking team, forced a lot of turnovers. They forced 18 Kansas turnovers tonight and uh, and shot the ball well enough, but they really make their living on the defensive end. Yeah, um, and, and so uh, thank you, Central Florida, because we were going to spend the next uh, two days trying to explain to Cougar Nation how good they were, but now they've proven they've done it for the themselves. how good they are. Yes. <laughs> know the Foe is brought to you by Octo Health. Decode your DNA and design your destiny. The broadcast information for the game on Saturday looks like this. It'll be a 1 o'clock Mountain Time radio pregame with a 2 o'clock tip. The game on BYU Radio, and you can see it on ESPN Plus. BYU and UCF for the first time ever. They filled the building for only the second time all time today. It's called Edition Financial Arena. And after tonight, expect another big crowd on Saturday for awesome. sure, right? Yeah. Yep. One of the great human beings in the world is coaching this UCF team. Johnny Dawkins. And Johnny Dawkins is one of the finest uh, people in coaching. I actually uh, met Johnny in person for the first time. We were at a Final Four, and they just sent out an a, a, a email to every coach, assistant, director of ops, to come do a charity event. And sure enough, I was standing there side by side with the great Johnny Dawkins. He is a superb human being. They're back together on Saturday. Folks, have a great week. Go Cougs! Yeah.